1: So welcome into the family room, and we are so glad you are joining us today. I'm Mari, and I'm here with my co-hosts, as you heard, John and Craig. So uh, we got a little bit of a tough topic today. I think it's a very convicting topic probably for everybody, but um, it's on the topic of addiction, but just recognizing that we all have forms of addiction, um, and we usually think about that as somebody who's addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography or different forms of addiction. But I'm realizing, as I learn more about our guests we've got today, that addiction is really those th- things that we use to seek our, our consolation, to seek our comfort in place of God. I mean, that, that they become addictions. We or, kind of...
2: or inebriation to get away from a deep hurt or a deep wound or yeah. something that... We may not even recognize, but yet we are self-medicating through these other things.
1: Perfect. I love the way you said that. Yeah, that inebriation, that was an interesting perspective on that, that we use something that, that brings us that, that feeling of inebriation. So not to ask the hard question, but do you guys realize, do you, do you see in yourself ways that you do that?
3: Oh, my gosh. It's, yeah, I, I, I think it's impossible to be human. And the, uh, the whole difficulty of, a, of addiction is you're creating, it's a physiological issue. Yeah. You're creating neural pathways from stim- stimulus to behavior, and once that's created, it's very difficult to to change that. It can be changed, but it's difficult, and it it applies to so many things. Yes. We're going to talk about a tough topic today, uh, pornography, right? But um, when imagine that is a neural pathway.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's no, true. And I think about, you know, one of the things that our guest is going to talk about is where do you where where do you find that you fall into it and what's actually the deeper root of mm-hmm. this, right? Mm-hmm. Pornography doesn't have to be about sex. It can be about a deeper root of seeking affection, seeking worthiness, seeking and that's kind of for all of us, right? You know, I think about those times when you're tired at the end of the day, you just start scrolling through Facebook. Um, you know, so you're just looking for the hit of, oh, what's something interesting that I can be watching or seeing, mm. or, or like my my daughter loves clothes. You know, I'm, I'm a little worried. She loves clothes, which is great, but I know of people who shopping becomes their- An addiction. An addiction, yeah.
2: Well, that's the kind of, I, I use the word insidious, but that's how all the al- algorithms were written by these different websites. What do you look at, what do you linger on, and I'm gonna keep feeding you this content mm. on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, and that's where it's the evil one, right? The evil one's behind that because he wants us to look at something else instead of God and what God is calling us to and the good things, the good and the true and the beautiful that God has put into our life. So I think that's kind of where we're heading today.
2: No, 100%. And uh, as we bring in our guest, Jordan Burke, I find it interesting, too, because uh, Jordan used to be a police officer in Birmingham, Alabama. And he transitioned from that, and he wanted to serve other people. And it's kind of interesting when you have a personality like a police officer to protect people. Mm -hmm. Now he's trying to protect us from ourselves and from Satan, which is which I think is is awesome. And in the process, so he got out of police uh, the police force. He went into doing and creating YouTube content and videos, which he found was a passion and also a gift he had. So in 2014, he continues since 2014. Sorry, he's continued to develop that. And he's calling himself into serving others by using that talent. And he's doing it through the Evola Institute, which his father, Dan Burke, and stepmother, Stephanie Burke, have founded. And they have a lot of content out there, and he works with them. He also is a resident of southern Alabama with his beautiful daughter that is four years old, Jordan?
4: So be four this year, that's right.
2: Well, Jordan, welcome into the show.
4: I'm very thankful to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: So as we dive into this, I know this is kind of a challenging topic in a lot of ways, but you've done a great job of um, using a tough situation from, from your past to really bring healing and truth to the rest of us. So before we dive into the depth of the conversation, would you share a little bit with, oh, you know what? I'm about to jump ahead of myself. We usually start with prayer. Let's do that.
3: John, I apologize. Let's start with prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise because of all the traps that lie around us, of all the difficulties, of all... The things that distract us from you, there is always a constant calling from you, and there's always a path back to you, and you always light that path uh, and and invite us to walk it. And today, as we discuss difficult topics and relevant topics uh, with Jordan, we ask you that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us, and, and most importantly, on our listeners and the people who need to be touched and healed by the content of today's show. Open our minds and our hearts. Make us docile to your spirit. We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name amen amen in the name of the father and the son of the holy spirit amen amen Amen.
2: introducing our listeners to you jordan could you tell us a little more about your um your life your faith journey and maybe talk a bit about um your ministry called do the harder thing
4: sure sure so the obviously fitting 31 years into a a few minutes simply as possible so I'll, i'll nutshell it as much as possible but uh this all kind of started as you mentioned you know uh, stephanie is my stepmom my parents divorced when i was younger and prior to high school and in the midst of that i had um, all sorts of positive negative and uh, positive and negative experiences primarily are negative unfortunately Mm -hmm. which i'm sure we'll get into you mentioned wounds and and things of that nature Um, and that led me into a pornography addiction that's kind of where this all starts um, which carried through and, and was hidden away and fluctuated and was, you know, uh, gained in momentum and lost momentum. And it was a struggle over years. Moving into adolescent life and moving into to the police force, as I'm older, I'm skipping a whole lot of stuff here. But, uh, you know, my formative years were spent on the streets of Birmingham. So I went into the academy. I graduated at 21. So this is the time period where, where you really become who you are you know, you're formulating who you're you're trying to become and you're mm-hmm. learning and those things affect you uh, deeply. And in the midst of that experience, that's when that addiction kind of uh, it, to use a not a positive term, because it's certainly not positive, but it blossomed mm-hmm. at that time in a very negative way, if, right. uh, I guess, if, if that makes sense. Um, and then, unfortunately, that resulted in a, in a lot of different bad habits and, and ultimately, again, skipping a, a lot of time here, uh, ended in a divorce, and, uh, which was really devastating. That's something that I still deal with today. And, and by the grace of God, he's, he's healed me from that addiction and brought me through. And I've, you know, I think I've mentioned to you all before that I, I, was, I was graced to spend a lot of time with some of the greatest minds, in my opinion, on addiction research and therapy and uh, and I was able to take that I felt called to kind of take that and, and make it more precise it's very similar to what my dad does with his books I guess he passed that on to me <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that ability to take these broad topics and make it very precise and accessible um, to everybody that was my goal so that no one would ever um, kind of walk the path that I walked so no one would ever fall into the pitfalls that I fell into I joke I'm the guy who slipped on the ice in front of you so you know where not to step. That's
2: kind of my, my role. Good analogy. And we appreciate that.
1: And where was your faith journey in that part? You know, you kind of took us through the human part of what was going on right. in your life. What about your faith journey during that time?
4: So I converted to Catholicism uh, prior to high school, and it was not something that I ever really took um, seriously in the sense that I would have described myself as less than Luke not mm-hmm. I, I never made the faith my own, basically. Um, so I would go to Mass. But I didn't really have any concept of what was happening. I had no concept of the sacraments. I just didn't have – I didn't quite comprehend everything that was going on around me. I was just kind of checking the boxes.
2: And, Jordan, can we tie this together just for people that may not know? Your father was born and brought into Judaism, so he was Jewish. Right. He became Protestant. So where in that journey were you born – and in, in that process, was he already Catholic at that time? No.
4: So, and, and forgive me, I think I mentioned this last time, I'm chronologically challenged. So <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll do this to the best of my abilities. He converted. I remember when he converted. I was very young. Um, but it, he, he was Protestant. I was born. He went through the process. He was actually going at one point through Anglican Seminary, which he's talked about before. Um, and that, I believe, was after, uh, after the divorce. And then he converted to Catholicism. I converted very quickly afterwards. Got it. Um, And that's, does that kind of answer the question? Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah.
3: So we spoke kind of coming into this, Jordan, about um, addiction being self-medication. And and there's a thousand different versions of that. For you, it's pornography or was pornography. How did that start? Why, what, what Do you think what made that the trigger or made that the path that you walked? Uh, Because clearly you're not alone.
4: Right. So uh, I like to say that the devil's not creative. Um, I, in the midst of the recovery, and I I bring this up for a a reason, I was paired with a lot of other men and their stories were very similar.
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
4: So whether it was, you know, a guy who found a magazine in the woods or a magazine under some stairs and stumbled across it, mine was very similar. You know, my as we mentioned, and for good reason, my parents were divorced. I was supposed to be uh, going to homeschool classes, mm-hmm. but that, those weren't being kept up. I was living with my mom at the time, um, but I did have a computer with unlimited internet access mm-hmm. in the basement. Got it. Mm-hmm. So very much like the magazine or you know the DVD that someone stumbles across, or I guess VHS tape or something, uh Mine was unlimited internet access, and it just it wasn't anything I sought out. It was just something I stumbled upon. And that's when the hooks kind of set in. To answer the second part of your question, though, in terms of uh, the effects, you know, my my mom at that time was a real bad alcoholic, mm-hmm. and that she was my only. Uh, you know, I would visit my dad when I could, but I was dealing with a lot of wounds, mm-hmm. and the pornography became the inebriation method to attempt to manage those wounds.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and you mentioned it's an inebriation method, which is. There's a physiological component of that that happens, and I know that one of the things that you just said, you know, one of the gifts you got from your dad is you take very complex topics and you make it, you bring it down and boil it down for people. And so I know you've done a lot of work and study on just the neuro, the neurobiology of all of this. And I've heard before that they say that pornography addiction is so strong. Like you said, the hooks are so quick and so strong that it's that it's almost like being addicted to heroin. Like it only takes mm-hmm. one pornography hit, especially from men who are so visually motivated, that only right. just one hit of that can can make you addicted. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
4: Yeah. So I was when I first started researching. I'm the kind of guy that if I'm gonna I'm, if I'm gonna do something, I want to know everything about it. Uh-huh. Everything mm-hmm. I want to know everything. And I wasn't uh, at the time. I just was was not finding fulfillment in what was being presented. A lot of these books, especially within our faith, which is beautiful and wonderful, w- was just simply you know pornography is bad. It's you know it's a mortal sin, and that's it. Like, mm. well, but there's got to be something more. There's something more. Something going on. And so I deep I dove deep into that research, and I found, you know, thankfully there are there are. Um, People who study the brain and cognitive function specifically, who are finding these related links between, as you said, you know, the effect of a heroin uh, use and matching it to pornography use. Mm-hmm. You know, as was mentioned earlier, you actually build neural pathways when you utilize pornography. It's, it has the same effect uh, as a, uh, as a narcotic. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, we're talking about not to get too deep into it but the nucleus accumbens you know that plays into it the basal ganglia there's a reward system in your brain when you feed your brain something you train it to do something uh, you build that neural pathway and then more specifically and this is i'm sure we'll get into it when you have some sort of trigger or if you have some sort of feeling that you need to uh, self inebriate you've already trained your body to respond in a particular way so you go out and you seek the thing that you've trained your body to To feed off of and want Mm if
2: that makes sense yeah that makes a lot of sense why don't you keep going down that path a little bit because I've heard that addiction in general can have you know obviously physiological impacts on you but I had heard more recently that like pornography actually affects your brain and its formation of your brain and how early you get into it you know I think it's the gray matter I'm not I'm not as technical as you are but It actually impacts how that develops. Can you talk about that? And then we want to get into the heart of this thing more importantly, I think, but yeah, would you talk about the gray matter part of it for a moment?
4: Yeah. So basically we're talking about the use of pornography or the use of any drug you're hijacking your system. So dopamine and serotonin are used and abused in levels that are, are not normal are not normative to your everyday function, which is why these neural pathways are built. Right. So, Somebody, I believe it was in Denver. I I wish I would have thought about pulling it up uh, prior to this, but I believe it was in Denver. They did a research on uh, pornography use and men's brains and specifically what happens. And if I recall correctly, they were using pornography four hours a week. And regardless of the time, though, I don't want anyone hearing that and thinking like, well, I'm not doing four hours. (laughs) (laughs) That's not not how it
5: works.
4: (laughs) Right. That's not how it works. Um, Just at that which is which is small compared to a lot of people they noted that gray matter formed slower or that gray matter that was existing was lessened in its effectiveness and use um and the gray
2: matter is what again sorry so so we all know
4: a part of your brain that helps uh, gosh how do i describe it Everything. It's 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 basically just think of it as your brain in general. The it's gray matter, is matter so your, I think
2: is, yeah, yeah, your
4: brain just diminishes.
2: Got it. So your, your your reasoning, your cognitive thinking diminishes. Everything goes with it. Right.
4: Okay.
1: Well, and what's interesting as you say that, I think of something I've heard you and your dad. As I've listened to your um, your podcast with him, is that sin makes you stupid. You know, right. right? And so all sin makes right. you stupid, but it, sometimes it makes you stupid in slightly different ways, and and that type of right. thing. Our listeners out there, you are you are here in the family room with us, and we're talking to Jordan Burke, talking about the addiction of pornography, and it, parents are always asking or wondering, okay, how do I help my kids? So you 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 broke it open for us that. You were alone with the computer, so unlimited mm. access to the computer we know already the evil one is in that, and he is trying to feed as much as possible people to get into things that they don't they they can't uh, right they can't handle right? and
3: I think Mari to that point, it's not like, okay, we have to make sure these specific bad things don't happen. It takes a single mm. trigger, right. And it doesn't have to be, oh, my, I've protected my child from hardcore pornography. It could be a scene in a movie that, as my dad used to say, is morally objectionable, you know, whatever. And then that could be the trigger. That's enough. Right. And so I think that's the danger of it. I think there's a second danger, maybe, Jordan, and you touched on it and, and take us a little deeper into it. You, that trigger it causes it, it you 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 start doing this um this you, you engage in pornography you get the 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 endorphins and the all the the chemical rush out of it but you do that because something else is missing you're it's replacing right. something in your life what was your because you had a big discovery when you realized hey i'm not addicted to porn I'm addicted to what was that intimacy
4: so so there's levels to this whole thing there's the level of well, yes, it's a sin, it's, it's mortal, it's wrong. Then there's the, the understanding of the physiological impact and, and the actual, you know, I, I, one of the things that breaks fruit guys free most is letting them know, hey, look, you've trained your body to fight you. And this is how we have to overcome it. You've, you've literally trained your body to work against you. So that's the second layer. The third layer that I've only seen, I think, one other, one other uh, apostolate handle is this wounding is this, okay, what am I doing? Why am I searching this out in the first place? So when I went, I went to a place called Bethesda, which is in Tennessee, which is absolutely incredible. And they're not a Catholic base. They're a Christian base. And uh, as a side note, because if anybody wants to go to them, I highly recommend it. It was hilarious. One day in class, They said, yeah, we're going to do this thing called Lexio Divina. Uh, <laughs> we, we actually got it from the Catholics. And I just laughed. I was like, I know exactly what <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, um, so as I was there and I'm talking to these these, tech, these uh, therapists and technicians and, and these brilliant minds, one of them pulls me aside and he goes, you know, Jordan, you're not addicted to pornography. I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, by, by the actual definition of addiction, you are not addicted to pornography. Yeah, you use pornography. You, you have in the past, but you are not addicted to it. I said, okay. So what are you telling me? He said, you're addicted to intimacy. Mm-hmm. And and that was like, the wall just came down. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, I get it. Because at that time I had already started going to therapy for different aspects of my life. And I was understanding, well, yeah, I didn't have a great relationship with my mom, you know, and I didn't receive as a child in some cases, the love that, that you're supposed to give a child. And so what did I do? I sought that out elsewhere. I sought attention elsewhere. So because it wasn't just pornography, it was relationships. Mm. Right. These things tend to go hand in hand with all these other different things. It's all self-inebriation. But regardless of what that was, it led back to that root wound of self-worth. I am not worthy of being loved. That's the lie that the enemy told me and that I held on to for so long.
3: And how awesome is that, that you can now control intimacy? So you turn on the porn, you just turned on intimacy or turned on that thing that fills the gap for intimacy. So it's it's. Mm -hmm two huge issues that the devil uses against us. The second right. one is number one, you're not worthy. You're terrible. And nobody else is, is as bad as you. And number two, you control, you need to be in control, right. not God. You need, you, you control every aspect of your life. Not God. Yeah. It's like, it's like a double shot.
2: Well, peels yep. back to today. Again, I'm in charge of my body. Right. I'm in charge right. of, I'm in again. And we're saying, god you're not in charge of anything i'm now taking control which kind of what satan told god way back at the beginning right. of creation hey guess what i'm in charge god i'm not going to listen to what you have to say and um wow we're really not in control of anything because all it takes is one little trip and i think it's it, what's interesting for me too i think as we go down this path a little bit jordan and i've met you outside of this call people that have these kind of addictions are not depraved, terrible people. We tend right. to look at this kind of stuff and go, that is so nasty, I can't believe they would ever do that. And yet, you're talking about just broken, hurting people that God's saying, how do I love you? How do I get other people to love you for who you are, where you are? And by the way, I have addictions too that make me as ugly just because yours happened to be porn. Mine could be arguing and fighting with everybody because I get fired up by that, that makes me but it's still damaging, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, and the other thing, I love the fact that he told you you were your addiction is intimacy because, that's not a bad addiction to have. It's just right. how you, where you go to get that. Cause we were made for right. intimacy. I mean, that's God right. made us for intimacy in the garden. He walked every day with Adam and Eve to have intimacy. Then that was broken because once again, Eve took control, right? And said, I don't trust you God. And listen to the evil one who said, Oh, he doesn't love you enough. He doesn't have your best interest. Do this instead. She took control. So then God, all that happened over the years. God continued to be faithful and loving to his, to the Israelites. And then finally, he's like, okay, I need to give you the ultimate intimacy. I'm sending my son. I sent Jesus to be with you, to show you and to serve you and to love on you. And once again, you know, that's, and and so part of it is, okay, so we can actually go to him for our intimacy if we know that. And one of the things that really struck me as you were talking earlier about your faith life, you said, you know, I was going to Mass. I was doing all this stuff. My dad had become a Catholic. My dad was serving in wonderful ministries. Um, he was even feeding me, right? Your dad wasn't, because of your dad's uh, gifts, he was not just feeding the rest of the world. He was feeding you all of this. But right. sin blinds us. So sin blinds mm-hmm. us. So even though he handed it to you, you couldn't see it. It could, wasn't revealed to you because you were so mired in this addiction that you had going on,
0: right? Yeah. Right. That's exactly
4: right. Yeah, Alfonso Ligori writes in a sermon on on sin. You know, it's as it's as if you're in the bottom of a pit, and the more you sin, the mouth of that pit continues to close, 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 close. And the light continues to get darker, 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 darker darker, until you can see no more. Wow. That is the effect of sin on the intellect and on our
1: souls. Exactly. If you read Romans 1, (laughs) I think everybody needs to read Romans 1 right now because that's what's going on, right? God will eventually... That, you know he handed them over to a depraved mind which a depraved mind yeah. is exactly that you're sitting in the bottom of the pit there's no light and you cannot see truth anymore right even That's if exactly the truth that. is being poured on you you can't see it it's not uh-huh. revealed yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. so then what led you to get some help what where what where did this go to get you to finally say gosh I need some help I need to get out of this addiction
4: I hit rock bottom you know i I, I had mentioned I was going to therapy for some other things because my marriage was prior to Prior to even this, prior to Bethesda, my marriage was in in bad shape. And why? Well, because as you just laid out, I had a disordered understanding of intimacy. Mm. I had a disordered understanding of love. I had a disordered understanding of relationship, all these various different things. And that was, you know, and a lot of that came from uh, a level of effeminacy, a level of which is a byproduct of saying yes to your flesh and no to God, right? And saying no to virtue. Um, not seeking the truth, not seeking the virtue. And so uh, so I started going to therapy to try to help regain um, what I would lost in my marriage. And then this kind of came along the way. But I had I had essentially hit rock bottom and, and went, you know, I'll never forget the words, I want a divorce. Mm-hmm. And thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, this is it. You know, this, I, I don't know what else to do other than try my hardest to rectify the situation, which I did. I tried everything I could to rectify the situation. So, yeah, so that led me to seeking out as much help as I could and, and finding Bethesda and, and diving into the research myself and um, eventually developing, you know, Do the Horror Thing, which, which really helps, uh, which I think uh, is, is next to Integrity Restored. I think Integrity Restored does it better than I do, I'm, I'm, and I love those guys, but able to help people overcome in the way that I did.
2: Was that a shout out to Jim O'Day? Jim O'Day is, uh, is our <laughs> house. I love that
1: guy. Yeah. And so listeners, if you're listening, all of these wonderful resources we're mentioning, the Addiction Clinic in Beth- 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 Bethesda, I keep wanting to say Bethsaida. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to take us to biblical times, um, to Bethesda and then Integrity Restored. We'll put those on our show notes. We have an amazing um, associate producer, um, named Sarah, who I'll give a big shout out to Sarah because she's amazing in what she does. She creates our show notes. She, she writes up a great summary of what's going on, but she'll put, um, all of these resources, including a link to Jordan's ministry on our show notes. So you can go online and read more about that find it
3: so we got about a minute left before we we uh break up and 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 just listening let's we'll wrap up and maybe you can come back on this or or just something to think about as we go you you mentioned i think in some of your conversations jordan the difference between being broken and shattered and it made me think of um jesus talking to saint peter more at the last supper he said satan seeks to sift your soul and satan seeks it to be you know shattered to the point that it can be sifted and God needs it to be shattered to the point that you turn back and become obedient. And mm-hmm. um, sure. it's, it's it's just in a crazy, crazy, crazy paradox. But um, you want to take us uh, out, Mari? Or are we?
1: Sure. So um, listeners, you are here in the family room. We are so thankful you're joining us today. And we have got our guest, Jordan Burke, who is uh, sharing with us very intimately his own study, his own story of addiction, but his hope he has in coming out of that. And um, God led him not only to be healed from that, but also to want and desire to use his gifts to bring other people to that same hope and healing. So we're going to talk after our break more about his ministry and some steps you can take if you are dealing with this type of addiction to pornography or if somebody in your life is. So stay stay tuned. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
0: We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on the Quest.
4: In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's
0: V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support.
4: Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station.
5: Visit TheQuestAtlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at
4: St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com.
5: This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you, we're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon.
0: To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig. Sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160 The Quest.
2: We're talking to Jordan Burke, and we're dealing with the subject of addiction, especially in this case tied to pornography. But as we always do in The Family Room, we always want to um, share our family room memories. You know, a dinner setting, a Christmas setting, whatever, Jordan, in your mind or in your heart, really stuck that was like, yeah, that that's, was kind of a cool moment or a, a, a new defining moment in your life. Anything come to mind?
4: Yeah, so I, I think it's important to note that not all was bad in my childhood. A lot of it was was very rough and, and it was a struggle. But one of the things that I enjoyed the most was when I was with my dad, I would ride my bike on the side of the highway to go see him in Parker, Colorado. We would hop in his Jeep. We'd go get Taco Bell, of all things. <laughs> We'd go to the hill behind the library and we would eat Taco Bell overlooking Parker, Colorado and listen to Dennis Prager. And that, (laughs) I just, I love that. So, and I, I didn't understand half of what he was saying, but I think a lot of it was really good uh, formation for, um, you know, whatever got through, I guess. But yeah, that was, that was my favorite.
1: That's awesome. That's, that's that interesting.
2: Great. A Jewish gentleman who who has a very Christian take on life a lot of times and yeah. he just drops a lot of dimes of wisdom. That's awesome. Yep. Um, I'd like to just circle back if you don't mind. Um John brought up the whole idea of um you know, you're not broken, you're chosen, type of a type of a, a comment you've made in the past. And you made a reference at one point in time to two different mirrors, you know, holding up two different mirrors. Can you kind of go through that and talk about what what you mean by that and and what it means ultimately?
4: Yeah, so there was an exercise that I was uh, a part of, that I was led through, I should say, in which we had to really pray and draw what we saw, how we saw ourselves or how we were revealed in, in that prayer. Nothing goofy. It was just, you know, really think about how you, how you see yourself and what would that look like on, 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 a, on paper as a self-portrait. And so I drew this image of myself. And my, my eyes were bloodshot and I had bags under my eyes and my mouth was um, basically sewn or zippered shut. And the only other thing you saw were my two hands. And in one hand, I had a mirror that was completely just shattered and broken. And in the other hand, I had a mirror that had a star, and, and, it, it, uh, and the center of it was shiny. And the star was what I was reflecting back to everyone. It was whatever I thought that people wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. That was what I was reflecting back to them. And the shattered mirror was my true self, the broken self. And behind that was was just the shell of a, of a human. And That's kind of how I how I viewed myself at that time.
3: And that was... That ultimately played out in your life, right? Because you go from being a police officer in Birmingham. Now you're working in your parents' ministry, two very devout people, into very Catholic, true truth. And you are there helping them. And so there's the star. And then in the background, there's this pornography issue. Talk about how that all had to play out, please.
4: Well, and even as a police officer, look, you can Google my name. I made international news of one for for helping out some kids soccer i mean it's this little thing but like even it goes that far back wow. I mean, that, yeah. that that reflecting back was 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 for a long time um but it's just it's the cycle of addiction in a lot of ways where you you just you engage and then you fall and then there's the physiological aspect like even with drugs you have a come down and that's when the enemy gets in there. and He mm-hmm. starts to shame you. Like, you are terrible. You are a horrible person. You are sick. You can't, you cannot let people know who you truly are. If they find out they're going to never love you, you're going to, you know, blah, 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 all these other different lies, which then feeds into the cycle again in a different way, you know? Mm-hmm. And then what happens? You get triggered Go again, back. and then yeah. you engage again. It just goes. It's this habit loop that happens.
3: What yeah. about when you came clean with your parents. I I felt mm-hmm. like that would be like one of those movies that you watch where you know the character is not who he's pretending to be and you're watching just about the time in the movie where everything is going to implode and everybody's going to figure out that this person is a fraud. I mean, I'm projecting those thoughts on you, but talk about how that all went down with your with your dad and stepmom cuz that was a pretty pivotal moment also, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, it was it was the pivotal moment. Yeah, it was, it was very movie-like, <laughs> actually. I've never thought about it that way, but it was. No, I, I was you know dodging my, my dad's phone calls. I was doing my work to the best of my abilities, but at the time I was focused so hard on saving the marriage or what I thought was going to save the marriage that I was pulling 100-plus-hour weeks. So I was working at the Avalon Institute plus doing uh, handyman work on the side to pay the bills plus repairing the house because it was going to be sold plus you know, all these other different things. I, and if you looked at pictures of me back then, I looked sickly, mm-hmm. you know, because I wasn't eating. I was constantly stressed. I mean, it was really at that time. And so th- I, my, they knew dad and, and Stephanie knew something was going on, but they didn't quite know what it was. Mm-hmm. Right. And so finally I got to the point where, um, and this, by the way, is prior to the Bethesda um, where I just said, I, I have to come clean. You know, and part of it's like, well, I got to go to this clinic for. I'm going to be there for four days.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> I got to explain
3: why i alibi, or, <laughs> right. or the truth, right. one, yeah. yeah,
4: right. But um, but I also knew at that time it was just like I need to come clean because I had been working, I had been, I had been getting clean in other ways prior, um, but it it was just coming to that moment. So we went to the shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament. In the if, if you've ever been, it's, it's stunning. And we went into a room off of the uh, off of the sanctuary. And I sat in a chair and I made sure that I was by myself and they were across from me and that there was a table between us just in case, you know, things got bad. (laughs) And (laughs) and, uh, It's amazing what the enemy
1: will tell you is going to happen, right?
4: Oh, my gosh, yes. And I just let it out and I wept and I just let it all out. And and I remember thinking, man, I'm going to get fired. You know, I'm all these things and they should fire me. That was the other thing. Like I was... (laughs) Mm -hmm. I understood. And, uh, and I, and I said, well, but I am trying, but I, you know, it's just like this, uh, like, but here I am, I'm laying out everything. My soul is barren on the floor, broken. Here I am. And uh, I will never forget that Stephanie stood up, sat on the table and put her hand on my hand. And in that, and we, and we wept. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: And, but in that moment, there was healing. In that moment, there was a, I see how broken you are and I see the wrong that you've done and that's not okay, but I love you and things will get better. And in that moment, there was an oppression that was lifted and freed. And I drove away from there. and I will never forget till the day I died. Drove away from that meeting, looking at the sky and thinking, oh my gosh, I have never seen the sky this blue. I have never seen the clouds this crisp. And then thinking, I've never heard my thoughts this clearly. Mm. I've never been able to form a sentence like this in the past. I've never been like I, I've never been so mentally sharp. Everything changed. There was a physiological shift, and this is a little and it may be a miracle. I don't know. I know it sounds traumatic, but I don't know another way to explain what I experienced. Um, that's as close as I can get.
1: That cool. is amazing. You know, and you painted the picture earlier for us that sin has you down in the bottom of a pit. And the top has closed so much that you can't even see the light. And, you know, Jesus did that every time we watched him reach out to those who were in sin and he, he hugged them, he touched them, he looked at them. And you said, you're, you were addicted to intimacy, you know, into me, see, and it sounds like Stephanie. And God used the heart and the mind and the touch of a woman to heal you from what the evil one had distorted for you.
2: That's exactly it.
1: That's so, That's I'm, exactly I'm about to it. cry actually. This no, is it's so yeah, because when
2: you think about it too, you, you look for that inebriation and in this case in a disordered touch, right? Right. I touch right. me any way you want to, I'll touch you any way I want to, but it's not in God's plan. And when somebody right. literally lovingly mm-hmm. puts their hand on you mm-hmm. and you feel God love you through that person, a true, real, right. healing, loving touch, and it gets put back in order, it reminds me of creation, right? Mm -hmm. There's all this chaos, and God enters in. The chaos goes away, and you see the beauty in it all. And the interesting part is you and Stephanie had a challenging relationship from a standpoint. You always loved each other, but you didn't always get along. But yet she hears some of the most devastating news and reaches out in love and gentleness and kindness and says, I love you. That's amazing.
4: Well, it was exactly what I needed because it was, it was God saying, "Okay, you were wounded. You didn't receive the love that your mother should have given you. Here's it's it's very much Our Lady, right? Here she is. Mm -hmm. Her love is here. Mm -hmm. And it was and you. One of I think y'all pointed that out last time we talked. I had never considered that before, but that's exactly what it is.
1: Mm -hmm.
4: You know, it was rightly ordered love.
1: And and God is so personal because Jordan, he knew what you needed. He knew exactly what you needed and you know part of that is christ did that too you know christ gazed at peter right and you've told the story before about how you know, God did that with you and Stephanie. He knew exactly what you needed, who he needed to hear from and the timing. His timing was so that you would go into Bethesda with (laughs) more of a clarity with a mind that would be open to receive all the healing that you were going to receive at Bethesda. Um, But you've talked about Christ and Peter. That's kind of a beautiful story, too. Do you want to share that a bit with our listeners about the?
4: Yeah, it's it's so, you know, Peter denies Jesus three times. And we tend to think that later on when, when Jesus says, but do you love me? And he asked him three times. And We mm-hmm. think, oh, that's when he forgave them. But that's not the case. That's not the case. The, the reality of the situation is, and I got this from, from uh, our discussion with Father McDonald, who I've had on the podcast quite a few times, a very good friend of mine, but Jesus forgave him when he gazed at
2: him,
1: mm.
4: because it says Jesus looked at him and then Peter left and wept mm. because he knew. But that gaze was the moment of forgiveness. So then the question is, okay, well, wait a minute. What is the three times he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It's more beautiful when we understand that that is taking the existing wounds, because that wound at that time for Peter still existed Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, this is going to hurt. We have to go back through this, but I'm going to make it right for you. Mm. I know exactly what you need. Peter, do you love me? No, do do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? That traveling back, that looking back and saying, here's your wound. Let's heal it. Okay, we're done.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, it's it's a beautiful thing.
2: Well, what I find, we've mentioned this on the show before, is that because there is no space in time in heaven and with God, he will enter into very profoundly past wounds. Yeah. And as you think about them and remember them, he'll enter into them. And I think that's where we all fall short and can get more addicted to whatever. We don't want to address those pains because they hurt we don't want them uncovered. We don't want to sit quietly with God and address them where God wants to unwrap those with his loving care and say, dude, I know you feel this. I know you're hurting, but I'm here and I love you. Let's you and I deal with this. Stop dealing with it with drugs, alcohol, right. stupidity. I mean, because we get really stupid, as, as as Mari said, when we're sinning. So, um yeah, I just I just found this whole story profoundly and if listeners you're just joining us you're in the family room with Jordan Burke and we're talking about uh not really pornography we're talking about the healing love and touch of God in right. an addiction that we all at some point may suffer in some kind of addiction but how God wants wants to wants to I can't even talk guys who wants to enter into that and really heal us and order our lives right and get rid of the disorder
0: right Right.
3: So let's let's put two pieces of the puzzle back together again, because uh, you said some important things there. First off, we're not talking about pornography; we're talking about addiction, we're talking about a very difficult thing, and and an understanding that the God allows so much so that He can cast that gaze in our direction that says it's okay, come on back. And so for you, Jordan, um, the gaze was maybe the touch from Stephanie. I love you, that affection, that pure, uh, genuine affection, uh, miraculous, but certainly a communication of the spirit that's, that's obvious in, in your dad and Stephanie when you meet them. Um, so then, so that was the gaze. Then there had to be the healing, like you spoke about with St. Peter, right? So for, for you, the healing was at Bethesda. Can you talk right. about that experience a little bit? Cause it seemed like that opened all kinds of insights.
4: Right. Yeah. So, you know, the healing started prior to that, but it really, you know, it's so apt that they called it the Feb that you think about the pool, right? right? That's when I was able to actually go into the pool, so to speak. So recognizing in the midst of all these various exercises and these discussions and, you know, the Lexi of and um, all these other different things from the big groups to the small groups, uh, the key thing was understanding what my root wound was, which was self-worth. Um, and how I tried to put some solve on that wound through the self-inebriation, these tactics that we've been talking about for this entire time. Once I understood that, that my wound was this lie that I was mm-hmm. told that you're not worthy of being loved and that you have to seek out love in X, Y, Z ways. And by the way, that's not love. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, once I understood that, then I was able to move forward. Then I was able to start examining um, you know, whether it was my emotions, and to be on guard for different things as well, you know, if, and in and, and relationships with anybody, making sure that I'm not holding up that mirror and saying, this is, is this who you want me to see? No, no, no. Who am I? Who does Christ say I am? Who am I in that? What is my mission? What does that look like for my identity? And then living that and letting Christ do the rest mm-hmm. and 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 just not giving into those lies of uh, you're not worthy.
2: Mm. It's tough to come clean and let other people see us, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it can be.
3: So before you go straight into the—or maybe go into—let's go go into what Jordan's put together to to try to help us out. And then there's there's a couple of questions maybe that that I'd like to plug in at the end that would give us a little bit of insight that could maybe make it just a little bit more personal. Yeah, you know, Jordan, you've got your ministry—
2: and um, you know do the harder thing which is interesting because we live in a society that doesn't want us to do anything hard or difficult today right. Right. Um, but you have I'll call them five pillars can you go through those five and really kind of break them down a little bit and talk about what you mean in each one of them
4: yeah so this is a this is on a, a, a digital download that's free everything on my website's free I have no down will be linked um, in the description but it's called shedding blood, the immediate action plan. And I call it shedding blood because as I was going through this process, I read Hebrews 12, four, which says in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And I thought, mm, mm. okay, it doesn't get much more clear than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that is that's the foundational viewpoint of this, uh, of this war that we're in against ourselves, against the world, the flesh and the devil, right? So um, it's the immediate action plan because these are five steps that you can take right away to help you to start overcoming your addiction. And what's beautiful is that the more I did this and the more I kind of mentored guys and talked to different people, these apply to all um, issues that we have. Whatever the sin is, whatever the addiction is, it applies to all. You tweak it a little bit to make it fit that thing. I wrote it towards pornography um, but it fits everything, so whether it's uh, uh, gluttony or, or, or anger or all these different things, it all kind of fits for the most part. So number one, you have to, have to, have to, have to utilize um, blocking and accountability software, right? So what was my entryway? Unlimited Internet access. Right. You cannot have that. If you're struggling, you have to remove that temptation. I think I said it before, you know, you they don't have AA in a brewery. That's mm-hmm. not how <laughs> it works. You have yeah. to remove yeah. the drug in order to start recovering from the drug, and then the accountability is the other key aspect because if you don't have accountability, if you don't have somebody watching over you, you're just going to uninstall it and you're going to go back to your ways. Right? Can you explain? So to- yes,
1: yeah, some people yeah. might know, not know how that works. So, how does that accountability sure. piece work?
4: Yeah, so I use Covenant Eyes. I still use it to this day because I, I truly believe in keeping that door closed and, and not, you know, uh, not giving yourself an option. Um, and basically what that does is it's a VPN installed on your phone, your computer, your iPad, whatever the, whatever the device is, if you can get to the internet, you can install it and it blocks certain websites and it triggers when you visit a website that you're not supposed to, it will alert your accountability partner. So your accountability partner will get some alert and that they need to contact you and say, Hey, you know, do you need to need some prayers? Do you need to go? Do we need to talk? Do you need to go get some coffee? You know, I saw you got something triggered the, the filter at, you know, three in the morning. Like we need, let's have a discussion. Um, someone helping keep you on the right path. Um, and then obviously it's just a great way to, if you're think, if you're struggling with it and you're thinking, well, crap, I don't want to let my buddy down or I don't, this is embarrassing. I don't want them to know, mm. you know, it's also a good stopgap to make sure that you don't uh, engage in that behavior. Wow. Yeah. So that's the first, that's the first step. You have to do that. You have to remove the drug. Nothing else matters if you're not removing the drug. Um, the second one is learning your triggers. This is, this is the next really, really, really important thing. Most people heard, uh, have heard of halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Um, but there's other aspects to that, you know. Are you most tempted before you go to bed? Um, what comes before the temptation? You know, you, one of the exercises that I recommend is if you notice yourself being tempted, to a certain sin, whatever that is, or a certain, you know, whatever it is, to stop and write down three things. Uh, What am I feeling right now? What am I doing right now? Who's around me right now? Mm. That gives you data points so you can figure out, oh, interesting, Uh, I'm angry. And it turns out that every time I'm angry, I have tempted to go look at pornography, you know, or I'm depressed. And every time I'm depressed, I'm tempted to go look. Um, And so triggers are super important. Next, you have sacraments for obvious reasons. You know, the graces in the Eucharist and reconciliation are extraordinarily powerful, followed by the fourth pillar, which is mortification or, or better known as a ceases. Um So this is just the act of doing the harder thing, choosing to subjugate your flesh to your intellect and the will and not the other way around, not to be ruled by your flesh. And then the fifth and final pillar is prayer, because quite frankly, none of this matters. Um, it rounds it out. If you're, not, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't know His voice and know what He says about you, you're just not going to be able to have the graces and, and, and the uh, will and the power to do everything else.
1: That's great. Yeah, you know, that you, your points make me think of so many different things. The learning our triggers point as you talk through that. You know, are you hungry, hungry, angry, lonely, tired? I think you also said bored. Whatever it might be, in the yep. time. When you, as you said that, it made me think of that scripture: "Take every thought captive to the obedience yep. of Christ." Right? Because right. what you're doing is you're saying, "Hey, when is this thought entering in? Now let me take it and let me hand it to Christ and help Him have Him help me understand what's going on and right. you know inform my intellect about this." And then when you talk talked about how the sacraments and, or the mortifications help to order intellect, can you talk about that a little bit more? Intellect, will, flesh? Because I think that is something that's so important for us to understand.
4: Yeah, if you don't, if you, mortification and asceticism, the well, quite frankly, I don't believe that there's a saint in heaven who did not practice asceticism the in some way. And so when you the, say a thesis,
1: asceticism, asceticism. Uh, asceticism. Life. Oh. Like the root of asceticism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, asceticism. Yeah. That's,
4: it, that's exactly it. So okay. mortification is kind of the the other word that I use because it's same thing, but it's a little bit more intense. Um, but it's basically just the act of – it's self-giving self-denial. So how am I going to give myself to God? How am I going to deny myself, right? Um, so whether it's, hey, you're driving – and you think, oh, I really want Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. No, I, I have to, oh, I'm going to deny myself of that. That's a really low key one. Um, I used to go on hikes a lot in dead silence and I hated it. I love silence now, praise God. But choosing to do that is a thesis, right? It is mortification. And then as you're on that hike, ooh, that path looks a little bit more difficult and I'm really tired. Well, do the harder thing. I'm going to go mm-hmm. down that path. Yeah. <clears throat> it's always more rewarding. It is always ordering, subjugating the flesh. The flesh does not will me. It does not control me it is subject to my intellect, god-given intellect and my will, which is hopefully united to god's will.
3: And if you think about the physiology that I I'm, I I'm, please, I'm no doctor, but if you think about choosing the more difficult path, I think about working out. It's after right. that extra set that you do, your body does the same things as the neuropathways, your body produces the endorphins and and the well, I forget what the right hormone is, but like you feel better after doing the extra exercise, right? So yep. you're kind of fighting the right way this mm-hmm. time. And Anyway, yep. I thought it's it's amazing how it's almost like God knew what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: and, and you get stronger with the exactly. exercise. The exactly. exact same thing with the mortification. Yep.
2: Right. Yep. Well, If we're not going to self-mortify ourselves, something is going to. Yep. I mean, God's not going to let us mm-hmm. just hang out there. You know, life's going to happen to us, so... Um,
1: That's a good point. Either choose your mortification or be mortified yes. in other ways. Yeah. yeah,
2: Jordan. I think we're uh, we're in a really good place with this uh, conversation. You've brought a lot of light to scenarios that um, sometimes are tough to talk about, and you've done a good job talking about it. And uh, again, you know, let's just make sure everybody listening understands. Our kids are going to do what they want to do, and no matter right. if you think you're a saint, if you if you've done everything right, or you think you've done everything wrong kids are going to make their own decisions. Our job right. is to continue to stay on our knees and pray and be there for them and love them through it and quit preaching to them and just be there like Stephanie and Dan were. They kind of like, you know, put their hand on them and, and, and let them know they loved them and it was okay. And with that, would you be kind enough to close us in a prayer?
4: Sure. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Lord, thank you so much for this time together. I ask that Whatever you have chosen to say through me would penetrate the hearts and minds of your faithful, your people, that it would be inspiring, encouraging, that it would help those who are struggling see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope, there is goodness, there is joy, there is grace, there is mercy, there is peace in you, in your arms, pressing our heart against your heart, Lord. Please allow us to do that. Protect us, surround us with your crown of thorns covered in your most precious blood. We ask us, name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Jordan. Thanks, we Jordan. really appreciate you being with us here today and sharing with us your story, sharing with our listeners. And listeners, we are thankful you are here with us again. Please join us again next week here in the Family Room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to am1160thequest.com.